0: When you say it's gonna be a fixed table, what, like those?
1: All portable, that's right, this is a fixed table. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. We have a Mm -hmm. fixed table in Father Hayden's office, they're all going away. These fold up and roll,
2: and all of our rooms
1: are multi-use now, so we need them to do a variety of things, and so we'll get rid of this, and we'll we'll probably configure, maybe more of a U-shape, looking towards the online people like
3: that, and... Uh Should I go find a couple more chairs? Oh, I, I think we're probably got I two think, more here. They just yeah. have. You come late, you got to sit up front, and
1: get picked on. This all like the comedy show. There's enough.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I know. I see Robert online, so he, that's, he won't take. He won't have a chair. I see. Uh, who else? Somebody's uh, uh-huh. consequences with us. Uh, <laughs> quick quick shot. Yeah. One minute. Cheryl. Cheryl. Oh. She's, Cheryl.
0: She's attending a funeral. Oh, okay. yeah, um, wrote, oh so. and for her brother, um, yeah.
2: yeah, Brian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's, uh, we're, we're at the time. Let us pray, blessed Lord has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning grant to men such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life just given us in our savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. So, what else would say Heidi Priscell who's hiding in the corner of Mimi's picture? Right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We're doing Psalm eighty, yeah. uh, which is another psalm that's appointed for this coming Sunday, and add that psalm. And knowing that that. Um, uh just so you're liturgically correct, Sunday is not Christmas Eve until it is. Sunday is the fourth <laughs> Sunday in Advent, which is yes. the first half of the day. It's why the are, Eve when you go to the night, because an Eve is always a night, it's mm-hmm. not a day. Why
2: are we doing eight again?
1: Because uh it's the leader of the choir who's got five more got three more choral ser- services in the next day. Um the suspicion is that not everybody will um populates as they ought the Fourth Senate Advent services, but but so eight and ten can plus we can fit everyone at eight and ten if they come. So we've just seen because it's a it's a day with a lot in the evening going into the next day that, yeah. that doing that doing the nine and eleven making it one ten service means everyone has to suffer some. Yeah
0: it's good. Everyone has to
1: suffer some <laughs> oh, no, really is not that
0: yeah. I don't think we sing at
1: all on Christmas Day though. Yeah, you do. Well somebody does. Choir doesn't. Okay. David plays and used the gremions come and sing. I really love Christmas Day. Actually it's my, of all do. the ones, my favorite okay. yeah. ones to go to because one for I'm finally you know, I'm finally finished, but it's also <laughs> just have a center on the day and and uh gremions are usually in fine voice unless they been, you know, mm-hmm. saying so we just we I, I like I like the Christmas Day mass. Hi right. So, um, Psalm 80, um, it, it has a heading to the chief that is not added in the text itself, but probably later is musical notes to the chief musician set to the lilies, which means it might have been set to some tune, a testimony of Asaph, the psalm. So we don't really know what all that means. They're like notes for people uh at towards, you know, before the coming of Christ and how you'd use this in in, in, the, in the temple of worship. Um, so let's just jump in and start talking about this psalm. Uh, it starts with, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a, a flock.
3: And then it, the parallel line is, You who dwell between the cherubim shine forth. So, where does the biblical shepherd imagery come from?
2: David.
1: David certainly is um, a, a quintessential image of a shepherd, um, but the whole idea—where, where did? So, if a oh. shepherd leads people, I mean, where, where? Christ. Um, well, before we get to Christ, because Christ is is the fulfillment of the Old Testament images, but, but how ha- where where would be the, where where in all of the Moses. Bible, where's the quintessential image of of God meeting people somewhere? Moses
2: Moses. Moses in the Exodus. Yeah,
1: and and how what was God's presence in, in the Exodus? How did he manifest his presence?
2: Columns wow. uh, by, yeah. so by day,
1: pillar fire by night mm-hmm. and so and they just said, you're going to follow where these mm-hmm. pillar and, and, and fire go. So, and, and that became the idea, this is shepherd-like because, well, it's not like we're thinking about it. What would be a good example? It's like they're all shef- <laughs> there's shepherds everywhere. And these are people that are doing for a, for a living, yeah. you know, and Moses was a shepherd. Right. So he understood, he led his people, he understood God led him. So, so uh, there's a, an analogy, God is the shepherd who, who leads Joseph like a flock.
3: Well, I'm saying
0: too, like Jacob and all of his family, they were all shepherds. All shepherds. I mean, Joseph. That's how he ended up in the pit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The
1: and if we go back to the to time. Abel, then, mm-hmm. uh
0: oh, that's right. That's that
1: right. you know, uh, God seemed to like shepherds, and Cain's problem—he wasn't a shepherd, yeah. no. Cain's problem is he made the bad offering, but but wow. Abel is a
2: shepherd. Mm-hmm.
3: And well,
2: the
0: announcement was about Jesus, was made to
1: shepherds.
3: Mm-hmm. was made to shepherds, indeed. Mm-hmm. And of course, then we come to Jesus out of the imagery when he says,
1: um, what's he say about himself? In John's Gospel, beginning with an "I am,"
2: I am the good, good Shepherd. I am
1: the Good Shepherd. <laughs> I <a> good shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> I, that helps. But set or tee it up for a year. <laughs> yeah, you did tee it
3: up. Yeah. So, but
1: he is when he does that, he is, he is taking to himself all this biblical shepherd imagery, and especially if if um, if God is the shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. There's also an extended passage of in Ezekiel chapter 34 about mm-hmm. the shepherds, where God um, lambastes the leaders of Israel as bad shepherds who knock the weak ones out of the way so they can get the food and trample on each other. And not they're like
0: Pharisees. Was, was that? a recent reading.
1: Yeah, right. I don't know where was it? it
0: uh, Either morning or evening prayer, I don't
1: know. It may have been, um, yeah, it may have been on the... Um,
0: on when, maybe on maybe Wednesday. Maybe missed the
1: Ember day. Maybe it was because on the Ember okay. day night, we actually did the eve of St. Thomas,
3: but it could be an Ember day one. Where, I think where it they, was Wednesday. Um, where, and, and then at the end of, of, of Ezekiel 34, he says, um, um
1: that he himself will will become shepherd of the sheep. Mm-hmm. So Ezekiel 34 is a big passage as a backdrop for the good shepherd passage of John's gospel. So just put that in your mind and read it, Ezekiel 34. It's like when I said when the son of man comes on a cloud, Daniel, Daniel 7, Daniel yes. 7, Daniel 7. Yes. That in your mind, yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Okay, so give your, O shepherd
1: Israel, you who be Joseph like a flock. And now now we have the parallelism parallelism
3: of um, the second half of the verse, you who dwell between the cherubim shine forth. And let's unpack that and talk about the parallelism. Um,
1: You who dwell between the cherubim, where does that come from?
0: I think that, uh,
1: <laughs> Isaiah. Okay. <clears throat> speak. Oh, speak Oh, oh,
0: the, and that became the temple and the the holy of holies.
1: So, what what do we know about the tabernacle and God's presence in it? In, that's like, that in, that's in, in relationship really to the it. cherubim, yeah. when God told Moses to build a tab a tent, the tabernacle so sounds that's what was tabernacle that. always sounds, sounds better. It was well, sound, it sounded like a structure in the way we do yeah. it. Yeah. But it's not, it's a tent, yeah. so we have to understand. So
0: that's where Rob would meet with, with them.
1: With and so him. how do we how, how do we know that?
0: Because that's where Moses would always go. Too. But
1: what would the specific instruction oh, about the what cloud. it should look like? The cloud. Now, More okay. specific <laughs> to the point.
0: <laughs> Sounds yeah, cool like was <laughs> <for
2: charity>. <laughs> <laughs> holy.
1: With regard so to cherubim, how, how do we know the cherubim
0: are you about oh,
1: because there's the instruction ark. on how to, how to build it. Because there's instruction. Yeah. So God okay. says, okay, here's the, here's the Ark of the Covenant, <laughs> and that. this is yeah. the mercy seat, and then it built, make two cherubim, yeah. one on either side, but, and here's what they're to look like, and their wings overshadow right. it.
0: Was that also in the, in the tabernacle? Was there something like that, that protected the Holy of Holies until the temple was built?
1: That was it. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, in the tent. When in they carried, the, they have they had the in then the tabernacle. They had the cherubim overshadowing the, the ark okay. in in the te, in the tabernacle.
0: Was it was it like a separate area like it was in the temple?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a curtain separated the the happen. regular place from the holy yeah, holies homie or most holy Go back place. and watch Raiders of the Ark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So the whole, and this comes up again and again, uh, you know, like in in, in the scriptures, on am mourning for a canticle, Benedictus asks, blessed art thou who behold us depths and dwell us between the cherubim. But it comes back to what God said, here's my presence, and, to, and, to, and surrounded with cherubim, that's where we understand the cherubim. Now...
2: Where, where, else,
1: where else do cherubim, uh, where, do cherubim uh, where do cherubim, there's two places uh, primarily that the cherubim appear. Well, Isaiah is seraphim. Oh. Right. So, nice. um, right. Sure question. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah is seraphim. So, um, And, and <laughs> so, seraphims, which are another, uh, and if you don't want to know about, like, how the, 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 there's books on, on ranks of angels, but there's a hymn, um, uh, 599, oh, higher than the
0: cherubim.
1: A thrones, been, so, there's a, so there's, there's a whole theology of ranks of angels and seraphim are one, but they're not, seraphim are not cherubim. So where do, where in the Bible do we find, we find them in, obviously in Exodus. Yes. E- Ezekiel.
0: Ezekiel. <laughs> they're following God. Around. They're like,
1: they're flying. God around. They're but so, but, but specifically um, when, uh, the, the vision that Ezekiel gets, and Ezekiel, uh, what, what is his historical setting? Uh, what, uh, we, we did a little little, ta- little chronology. What, yes, what, what, about when is Ezekiel, and who's a who's a, a, a kind of rough compatriot of his
2: uh,
1: prophetically? Major Jeremiah, part. Jeremiah, and Ezekiel are both in the southern kingdom later on in history or just before the exile ezekiel actually goes into exile with them so where jeremiah's That's ministry right. is entirely in jerusalem and israel when the exile takes place ezekiel's among the exiles and he prophesies to them over in um in babylon and he gets a vision he, he he's lifted up and he's taken to the temple and god gives him a tour and yeah. the tour god gives him shows what bad things the children of Israel are doing there? They're, they're, they're. They have side, side idolatry altars. They, um, their their people say at the entrance of the temple and bowing towards the right, to, towards the rising sun, which is means they're mooning the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and so, what what happens then is the, is the vision that Ezekiel gets that spans intermittently one through ten chapters uh, of Ezekiel is that um, the cherub God sees the actual cherubim God actually rise up, the cherubim rise and they leave the temple. Mm. Oh. because that's what leaves the temple liable to judgment. The Babylonians mm. can come now mm. because God's protection has been withdrawn because they've left. his presence is
0: gone.
1: He's gone. So they go up, they mm. they, they stand up, they rise up, they stop at the threshold. And then a very important for New Testament purposes, <clears throat> what's their exit route? What, what landmark do they go over on the way out of town? Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. So the glory of God uh, uh, (laughs) departs by the Mount of Olives. So we get to Palm Sunday and the Word who was made flesh and we behold His
3: glory comes in. It's really the return because we're not given, um, it's a larger discussion, but when Solomon dedicated the temple, there was this whole,
1: phenomenon by which the glory cloud came into the temple and took up residence. So that God's presence, the, the, the cherubim. And then when God left and when they came back and rebuilt the temple, I'm sure they had cherubim, but I don't, but we're not entirely through to the Ark, because we don't know. That's one of the mysteries. There's books about it that suggest that it may be down in Ethiopia somewhere among Ethiopian Christians. But what we do know is that it it after the Babylonian uh, destruction of the temple in five eighty six we it's never talked about again. So um, it, it goes away. But part of this does play into the New Testament understanding because God leaves, the glory leaves, the ark leaves, and though the temple is rebuilt, is waiting for God to to come because it, because Israel never is restored to the glory that. She had in in the first temple. So when Jesus comes to the temple, that's that's the undoing of what happened in Ezekiel. So so there, there's that. So what other place? And this is how you know the uh, book everyone finds mysterious, but is really very insightful. That when you oh, look at it, <laughs> Revelation, yeah.
0: Yeah. where do the cherubim
1: appear in Revelation? Yeah. Around around the throne of God, chapter four and five, when it. John John given a vision, come up here. He sees twenty four elders, four and twenty elders. This is clearly the people of God. There, there were there were twenty four divisions of priests. But we've also been told in the New Testament that that we've been made uh, kings and priests for a kingdom of priests. Uh, and and so this is people of God around the throne. And uh, what John sees is, is he sees these strange creatures. But if you just do a little investigatory work, they are the cherubim Well, they must be. Why? Because here's where God's presence is, and He dwells with cherubim. So, so it's not. That's why Revelation is not that mysterious. It's mysterious in the images that uses to communicate what it's saying. But when John sees the presence of God, it's nothing different than what 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 we what we learned from the tabernacle. What we learned from Ezekiel. It's just the same framework of images um although they're reborn they're they're developed a little bit more but um it's it's not it's not a strange setting so when we get here you who dwell between the cherubim that's just that's if god's presence is there he's being surrounded by the cherubim Mm -hmm. what's interesting is so so the shepherd of israel and you who dwell between the cherubim were kind of parallel thoughts then um and then the second line, "You who lead Joseph like a flock, shine forth," and this is interesting because this, this idea of shining recurs in the psalm. But the idea of leading being equivalent to shining
2: forth—to
1: yeah. see God, to to let us—we're not seeing you shine forth—is—is is, that's how we'll be led if we can see you again. Mm-hmm.
3: So it's just an interesting thought, the way it comes up in the psalm. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and
1: Manasseh, stir up your strength and come. Hold on to that thought about Benjamin. We'll come back to his name later. Um, and come. So why are we reading this in Advent? <laughs> come.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: stir up your strength. So you're, you're just kind of hanging out, taking a nap.
3: You know, here we are, stir up and come and save us. And that word save, again, is
1: related. You don't want to make too much of it. Uh, Yeshua, to the name of Jesus, uh, Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, Yeshua, means God
3: saves in in the most basic meaning of the word. And so... Um, We should be aware that that word is used there and that's part of it and ephraim um these are divisions
1: uh, uh, before ephraim uh in the geography of israel where is ephraim located huh? Above,
0: uh, the northern kingdom
2: in the northern, northern
1: kingdom the North. and the geography of israel where's is benjamin located I got to guess the southern. The southern yeah. yeah so you that Benjamin mean, ended, ended right up ended <laughs> up being um, exactly. Benjamin ended up being near Judah in terms of its of its habitation, and then Manasseh. If you remember when they crossed the Jordan River to go to the Promised Land, uh, uh, was one of the tribes that um, said, uh, "Can we just mm-hmm. set up here?" Oh, and then, then, Mo- then Moses said, "Okay, but you, you you can't. No, you can't do that. That means you're not going to fight. So you have mm-hmm. to come over and help your brethren conquer. Then you can come back and have it. So and mm-hmm. and, and so when it says Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, it's geographically standing the the, the, whole the, the whole thing of
3: of where Israel is is geographically located. Was
0: Manasseh the only one that didn't cross? I uh, didn't settle on the other side of the Jordan."
3: It seemed like there
1: was. I, 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 it seemed like there was one other, but it might have been half more.
0: of somebody.
2: Yeah, half, Manasseh, of two tribes, yeah. <laughs> half of somebody. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, what, I
0: think.
1: I want to say it's half tribe of Manasseh, but I can't remember if anyone else said. I can't remember. They just did. I, I should be. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly, but there's that geographic. There's a um, um.
2: <laughs>
3: so stir up around all of us and come right. and save us, uh, the whole the whole people of Israel. And uh, verse
1: three, restore, restore us. And this this thought is going to uh, recur. Um, and it could be turn us back.
3: Um, and it could relate to the New Testament sense of repentance. Um, because turning is a repentance. Mm-hmm. He's restoring
1: us is to turn us back. And so... Part of the image here then is that they're asking for God to come and save, but for God to come, the people need to be need to be turned back. Um,
3: and how do we know that that is true from the New Testament? Repent. repent. John the Baptist, repent. repent. You know, the, Jesus, repent. repent. Peter, after he preaches at Acts,
1: what can we do? Uh, repent. So in order to be prepared to receive the glory, we must return. And the thing I think we need to understand with the idea of repentance is that it's too often thought of as a thing you once did to turn away from sin and believe in Jesus and instead of the, the larger sense of the spiritual life is the thing we're continually called to do and grow in, uh, because what the, and the growth in repentance is that we become more aware of the ways that our lives are are out of order. We start out with, oh, I, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, lost gluttony theft, whatever. And then, we, then, we, then you, know, you, you do some of those obvious, visible things like, oh, I'm pretty selfish. Oh, I don't really love like I should. And I think it progresses to, to the realization, but, and, and part of this, I think also is, it's related to this light imagery, shine forth, that is, as we turn an, an awareness of our fallenness, and we enter into the light that shines forth, we see ourselves more clearly and move forward. And I also think it's a grace of the spiritual life that God will reveal to you about what you're able to handle now. Like if you came to your initial repentance and got everything that had to be done, it's kind of like right now we just, um, uh, uh, I guess for analogy, because this is my mind, We, we just moved back into our house that we had some work done on. But the garage is, and it, it everything's in it. And I know I have to, I have to find it to take everything out and go through everything. And it's very daunting. Yes. Okay.
0: You get rid of a lot of But stuff, if, right? so if you if you thought
1: about like, when well, you come before God's presence, He shows every single thing oh, yeah. amiss. Yeah. So um, yeah. so He's, that the grace of the spiritual sure life is when you yeah. come before God, go yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, I think this is when we talk about like spiritual growth through the seasons, and Advent as as preparatory season, and Lent as a preparatory season. It can be like, what am I, God? What do you would you like me to face this year? What what some new thing I see about myself? And that's why we talk about a good a good confession is not a laundry list of subheadings under the seven deadly sins <laughs> and that people make a confession. Yeah. Lovely, <laughs> <pride. Injury's laughs> not That's not really helpful for any, um, real, you know, what, what's your, what's the current area of struggle mm-hmm. and how does that manifest itself. And we grow in that. And as we grow in that, we see, you know, God's it's, it's, it's kind of
3: both that God's face allows us to see it, and then because we see it, we see more of it. So we grow as we live in the life more
1: and more. This is one of the reasons that is very important in in our life of prayer, that you have to understand that we have to acclimate to the idea that grace begins with embrace. That God, that God is revealing him, your, Himself to you and yourself to you and to us, because He's adopted you. So, and and to me, it's the safety of the relational safety of being children that give us the the ability, the courage to okay, I'll I'll go forward. And I think a lot of people get this wrong, and that's why they. They, they, there's this, well, a lot of people, we all at some level <laughs> believe that if what was <laughs> really true about be. us was completely uncovered, we wouldn't really be acceptable.
0: Yes.
3: So, so therefore we just kind of try kind to of push it away and, and maybe pretend it's
1: not there. And that's, that's kind of the denial of the Christian life.
0: Um... I, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I found that I can tell the conviction of the Holy Spirit versus the accusation, you kind of, as an old, you know, older Christian, but I just find it's like, God is so gentle, and it's like we're, like you're saying, we're ready, we're like, oh yeah, he is gentle, oh yeah, I really am so or or whatever it is, I'm like.
1: <laughs> but the point of that revelation is to, is to, is to give you the. Insight now, okay, yes. let me work, let me,
0: yeah,
1: let me do that from position of embrace, not, right, I'm trying, pro- okay, if it I, if, like if I is. can become less codependent, then God will probably like me, because yeah. that's the problem that you since you
2: never can really
3: make life. that progress without right. the grace, you're stuck in the loop,
2: right? I didn't
3: have, yeah, um.
1: That's the thought that just went away, like a lot of my thoughts. <laughs> 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 it's <laughs> the thing.
0: It's
1: the good news is it
3: will turn back to me again, second, <laughs> now, just when I so repentance is an on, and it it's what makes sense of the liturgy because every week we say, "You
1: truly earnest repent." Right. It's a posture of life, repentance and faith, mm-hmm. not things we did at a point in time. At the point in time that we mark as a beginning, maybe conversion is the beginning. Yeah like the birth of a child, it's beginning,
3: but then we're, we continue to, to move into it. And notice, re- restore us, cause your face to shine.
1: Now, let's, let's talk about this shining face a little bit. Hmm. Moses? Um, Moses. <laughs> yes,
2: I'm guessing. So what what guessing. So what do we know
1: about Moses' experience and God and face and stuff like that?
0: Baal yeah, he, he when he was in the presence of God. Right. He so shall, remember when he forgot,
1: God first appeared on Mount Sinai to him to give him the, the Ten Commandments, tell him to go back to Egypt and save, save Israel. Like, thought I'm hanging out here in the desert. I got a wife, got some kids. I'm good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so he he says he didn't. He hid his face because he didn't want to look at God. And that's the idea that you can't really look at God and live. That's refrain in the Old Testament. No one can see God and live. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Manoah in, in Judges is shocked that he saw the the um, the angel of the Lord, which is associated with the presence, he's still alive. Um,
0: Didn't somebody see? Well,
1: well, then Moses goes on to where he, when he goes to the tabernacle, he does begin to go in and see God. What happens when he comes out of the tabernacle? Shining. Shiny Shining face. Shining,
3: yeah. And comes down, shiny. Um, but then um, St. Paul has a, a, um, a sort of riff on that where he says that
1: why did Moses cover his face? Because he, he would actually, she would say it was too bright for people to see. But St. Paul says, no, it's because it faded and, and, and it was to hide the fading glory. So that you don't see brightness, which is kind of the, the sense of, of the human condition. You might see God, but it, it, it decays. And St. Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 plays on this with this contrast with the Christian experience where a vision of Christ we're growing into. We all with unveiled faces beholding as in the mirror mm-hmm. the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same right. image. So our vision of Christ is growing. It's because this is the difference between the new covenant and the old. In the old covenant, the participants not having the regenerative gift of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not having Christ in them as, as, as a source of new life, we're not, we're not, um, it was always provisional things. You saw God, you got the thing, mm-hmm. and then it decayed. But St. Paul is saying "No, we, because we've been baptized into Christ and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the life that's in us is growing towards, it's getting greater. In contrast, uh, for example, the, the, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day, which is the essence of the spiritual life, the connection with God. And this is something that culturally we've almost entirely lost because our cultural preoccupation looks, especially in this area, yeah. But yeah. the idea that 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 holiness, that that uh, aging can bring a detachment and uh, a greater faith and a greater wisdom and a greater knowledge that brings us closer to God, even as the te- and it's more significant as te- a temporary fails, instead in our culture we just try to uh,
2: just run from the, run Please from the <laughs> <laughs> and listen, there's some nuance.
1: Obviously, we all like to look. Uh, as good as we can, but, 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 but we know in faith, we
3: can't, we know that we can't stop that process. We know we have a life that, that has already saved us from, from death.
0: Thank
1: God for makeup. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: so, <Life> <laughs>
1: so, so a lot of verse three, when the prayer is turn us back, cause your face to shine as we as we grow in repentance, we we see more of the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus, and we're saved. We grow into salvation. And I think there's another word, salvation, that should be obviously there's a a sense of being saved from um, death by the baptismal gift of the Spirit. There's also a sense, though, in which we grow into the experience of salvation as we're captive to less things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we're, we're freer. We experience the, the presence of God more fully, because sometimes it's just yeah. You say, okay, after I die, I'm going I'm you know, go to hell, go to heaven. You know, like, okay, but <laughs> but what's the? That's good, what, although truncated and inadequate vision of the resurrection. But um, the the sense of our experience of this, we're asking to be saved. Maybe it's from the current thing we're too attached to. Maybe it's from the current. Thing we're wrestling with, we can see God's face more clearly and grow and be be saved from attachment to the temporal and be saved to serve God more fully. So I think there's no, there's a continuous way in which we're saved, and this is I think a problem in 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 our cultural preoccupation with salvation as an insurance policy is that it doesn't articulate how salvation can lead to the fuller, richer life lived in relationship with God, not captive to things. And so a lot of people talk about salvation, but it turns out they really haven't grown much in detachment from things that they're attached to. So they they have an insurance policy, but they're not really experiencing the, 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 the power of salvation in, in daily life, which is why we talk so much about the life of prayer, because it's only, it is not only, but it is through the life of prayer that we grow into this experience that we've initiated through baptism and conversion and we experience salvation more fully
0: and i've experienced like okay this is an idol in my life you know it's kind of like going into the temple and having beside idols you know i mean it's so you've got to get
1: rid of them yeah yeah and we get rid of them and then we kind of yeah. Grab back a little bit. I, yeah, so, yeah. so we have to grow. <laughs> You know, the, the, we let go, grab back. I think mm-hmm. what we can hope is that the grip is a little less strong and it just mm-hmm. that's that's the, the reality of the spiritual life. And if, yeah. if you don't realize about it, you have, and, and part of the point in that too, with the idea of God's grace is you have to be, we have to learn to be gracious to ourselves when we're, mm-hmm. when we could, because it's, it's, why did we get it right
3: first time? And, and so sometimes the very process of growing into the experience of God's grace is what gives us the ability to, to, to let go more.
1: Um, I actually think it's, it's, it's partly there's a lot of things that are associated with it. Um, One is that we are drawn back to it because while we know it doesn't, uh, really give us what we want. We're still attached to it and it still gives us something.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: we're not yet prepared to live with a complete letting go and with the unknown, what that means. So we'll have a moment where, okay. And then we come back in the, in back to the ordinary life, we're triggered into, okay, do I, can I, and and so, but I think I, in my experience, the, the, the returning to the thing that, that, that is is uh, disordered and experiencing it again and realizing, oh, increasingly this isn't it. And increasingly that this separates me from God leads to a greater desire, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. So the strength and finally is we're, we're, we're doing it not because just we're afraid of punishment or feeling guilty, but because I'd rather be with God in that space of prayer, then suffer whatever separation I feel because I'm, I'm, I'm going into this thing. But I think that's a process. It takes sometimes a long time to purify the will and grow in our understanding of that, uh, because there's sometimes a native, a native idea that
3: which is demonic in origin that you know God doesn't want you to do that. But you know it's just because He doesn't want you to have good things.
0: I thought about you know we read Isaiah the other morning where and you brought up that you know God is like in returning and rest you will find your souls and they're like nope we got we're we're, riding horses (laughs) we're going to get on our horses and get out of here you know and then after that it says and the Lord will wait it's like Mm -hmm. okay you ready are you ready now you know you want to go around one more time you know. How's this working for you?
1: That's <laughs> a remarkable line, which which is, was in the verse at the end of the day, not in the morning prayer lesson, but it yeah. says, yes. uh, Therefore the Lord uh, will wait that he may be gracious to you, mm-hmm. and the Lord will be exalted that he
3: may have mercy on you. Mm-hmm. For the Lord is a God of justice. Because he has to have the conditions appear in which he can have mercy. Which is our turning, right. our growth. So
1: it is, right. it's a, a profound line. It's like he's waiting, uh, we're waiting, we're growing. So.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're taking care. I think that's part of the thing with with, with me, uh, and I, I'm sure with all of us, is that we think we have to do something, you know, and, and it, unless we do something, you know, it's not going to be me realize, wait, no, I need to just wait. Rest. Well, and that, that do something, Rest. of
1: course, is, is our uh, manifestation of uh, pride mm-hmm. because it's a way of controlling it. Right. I can do so. I can be I can grab this. Um, and so it's very concert, disconcerting to sit still and wait for God um, so we can talk about it conceptually. um but actually, enduring in a long season of time where you're sitting and waiting and the visible manifestation of what God is doing isn't there, it, 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 um, it's formative and it's purifying, but it's not easy. And this is, I think, in a sense, what he's, he's um, talking about. Move on to the next line, verse 4. Oh Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? So, they're, they're praying, and they're not experiencing the blessing in response to it, which suggests that, to some degree, the wrath of God. Um, and the, the way that you'd know this to be the case is that the prophets say as much, right? That, that mm-hmm. the wrath, you know. That, that, that And the wrath of God, again, is not God having a temper tantrum. It's God's righteous recompense for all that is wrong. The world can't make any sense unless wrong things have a consequence. Yeah. So when the wrath of God is revealed against all disobedience, as St. Paul goes on in some, to some detail in Roman, early chapters of Romans, It means that when wrong things are done, a God of justice can't just sit there and let it go. There will be justice in the fullest sense of of things. So the question here, the the point here in verse four seems to be that um, there's there's, uh, how long. That's also a cry in Revelation. Is it chapter seven, six, seven? Uh, the souls who were slain
3: for the word yeah. of the God under the altar, How long, O Lord, do mm-hmm. you avenge yeah. um, Verse five, you have fed them with the bread of tears. interesting What's some food to eat here?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Have some sorrow and give them them drink in great measure.
1: Tears to drink tears. in great measure tears to drink. Tears to drink. Now, um, I think that legitimate mourning and grief has a very important place in Christian life. So you've given them tears. Why would you give them tears? Now, there's, 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 we have two kinds of tears um, that um, in the Bible we have. Uh, we're told... Um, that in uh what jesus said in gehenna which is the final state of hell there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth Mm -hmm. um that's a certain kind of weeping um that you get from people who are complaining that god wasn't fair or i didn't have a chance or i didn't do this but but the the tears of 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 legitimate repentance what the um tradition calls the gift of tears the gift of tears is when <clears throat> God in his grace has that conviction, as Connie was talking about, that isn't condemnation but is is conviction that there's a gift of tears, that this this purifying and cleansing, like the Psalm says, He who goes on his on his way weeping and sowing good seed will come again and bring his sheaves. The idea is if we go out in repentance and faith and begin to do the things that God calls us to do. That, that planted seed of, of repentance and faith will result in a future harvest
3: of good things that God will give us. Mm-hmm. So um, this is I think this is important. Um
1: and it's important to, it, it, it seems to me to be distinguished in the Christian life by how we process the things that happen to us that that aren't what we want. Um do we process them as God's unfairness to me? Or, or do they process them as what does God want me to learn through this? Even, and it, it, it doesn't always mean, it's very important to understand this, doesn't always mean that um, what you're experiencing is a direct result of some wrong you did. That's important. <clears throat> but it's it's also important that even then we can we can have a um, we can share in that genuine human lamentation for the human condition that that the general affliction we experience is a result of the the fallenness of our race which we participate in so we can mourn for our rebellion you get this, this sort of corporate sense of this in. <clears throat> like like daniel in in the book of Daniel when he starts praying for Israel, oh Lord, we have done this, we have done this, and you're thinking, well man, daniel we've read about you you're looking you, you
2: pretty you look like you're pretty <laughs> righteous
1: compared to the to the, you know the law but but he embraces that, and so we and so when we um can take the misfortune and 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 experience it uh uh redemptively as our Lord, excuse me, who doesn't, you know, for whom no suffering was just yet took on our suffering. So that's the posture, I think, of of faithfulness is we ask, what is God doing in my life through what I'm experiencing? And the unfaithful goes more to why is God doing this to me? And now (coughs) I want to also say just that it takes a while to get to the point of embrace and surrender I think it's okay to have conversations with God and to express what it feels like to be in the place we're in. But even when we're um, talking with God in these ways, like Job, or, uh, you know, we're, we're talking as one who has faith, who's we're here. We are going anywhere it comes are having with God is not, you know, fixes. this. I'm, I'm, you know, you know, that, that, uh, so, so tears. Are significant part of the Christian life sorrow, and, and I think this is something greatly misunderstood that the idea that that you can't that joy cannot be mixed with sorrow in the Christian life, and and that 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 leads to situations in communal life where people always have to cheer you up, mm-hmm. and it's nauseating. Because the the reality is that the the sorrow (laughs) pertains to the temporal experience you're going through. The joy pertains to the presence of Christ with you. The, the, The confidence that what he's doing is producing eternal things. And therefore you have a life that transcends that. But they're together. They're not, if I'm feeling sad today, therefore I have no joy. And it's really, really important to get that. Otherwise we get... We're going to end up being like happy, clappy Christians. Every time you're saying, oh, don't you know the Bible verse is all better? You know the Bible verse, but you, but experientially to embrace that, you have to embrace in your prayer the proper seasons. you're sound about something. It doesn't mean you don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't mean you're, thank God that, you know, it just means that sometimes life has that. And Christ is with you in that as, as he himself went to the cross and, wept over the city of, uh, he did not lose his joy in Trinitarian love when he wept over the city of Jerusalem or when he cleansed the temple in anger at what he saw. So the, those temp, those response to temporal things were always seasoned were always seasoned by the presence of the eternal. That's that's the balance for us in that.
0: I do think that a lot of people I know in, in myself, sometimes when you're going through a really hard season, and you're suffering, you feel like you're out of it's kind of like looking at the old testament if if you have favor and you got you know then god's with you if not you're not going to have god's favor so i think it's uh important to remember that we're always in god's favor like we talked about last week yeah
1: well and, and i think also to to it's one of the reasons that reading the bible as a way of life is so important and reading it thoroughly, not just your favorite little verses, mm-hmm. that there's a narrative here. Like we go to Job, okay, we learn from Job that Job is suffering because he is the Lord's favorite.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We learn that the Lord is suffering because he is the Lord's favorite. Mm-hmm. We hear St. Paul saying that it is given to you on, on behalf of Christ, but not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his name's mm-hmm. sake. So we understand, oh, there's a vocational. This actually pertains to the narrative of God's people. And we learn that even when we, maybe we have had something we did that brought upon us, then we have King David, who, who shows us the perfect penitent. That would be yeah, perfect, but the, the the model, a model for it, where he does something very, very wrong. He's confronted and he says, you're right. God says again, take your palace away and everything away. He goes, okay he walks out of town that's a narrative we can enter into when we've done something you know we can mm-hmm. embrace what comes and what happens goes his way weeping bears goods you know comes mm-hmm. back and god at the end he's restored so that's that's a significant thing we're in that narrative and i think some of the truncated narratives for our culture where they're just quoting a bible verse that skips the human condition <laughs> nice. it's like it's it's it's, it's it's why we talk about a life of prayer, a, a spiritual life is going to participate in all these contours of emotionality. And I also believe that if you cannot experience the the sorrow that rightly pertains to your life and life in the world through the loss, you probably won't be able to experience the joy in quite the same measure. I think they're I think they're they're um, connected. I mean, they're very connected. And
0: I just want to mention too. One time I had a wise person say to me about emotions and thinking that if you're a Christian then you can only experience joy or you can only experience sadness mm-hmm. and she said it's, think of it as like your dresser drawer and you can have two drawers pulled out at the same time and it's not going to tip yeah, over the good. dresser drawer <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just like you can <laughs> yeah. have it yeah. 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 and it, it stuck Where's with me soul? ever since yeah, yeah. 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 That one. yeah. and it's so good, it's good. like good. yeah it's joy and sorrow mm-hmm. and you know, here's another drawer, and here's another drawer. Right. But um, I thought that was helpful. Sometimes the drawers <laughs> all people. Started,
1: you know? yeah. <laughs> That's good. So you've, you've, you've fed them with <laughs> bread of tears and given them tears and to drink in great measure. Verse 6, you've made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Ha-ha. These people think they're God's people. We all feel that sometimes, that yeah. feeling
3: of, of what people think looking at us. And so again, a third, a third, um, re- restore us, turn us back, cause us to repent, um, bring us back. O oh God of hosts, cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. <clears throat> it's just remarkable reading this for first time, just how much the
1: shining face is so present in the psalm shine forth um cause your face to shine your face to shine will be safe we can see you your face your shiny face we see you
0: that's almost your benediction every time we yeah. leave yeah, you know? yeah. By the, By the very Lord's very yeah think.
1: well that's and that's that's actually um i had it as an end note but from numbers chapter 6 verse 23 through 27 that, that God called, commanded Aaron and his descendants to bless the children of Israel by saying, "The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you." And I, and I think this is part of um, um, the idea of God's presence with us, because I, I and I think how how we can experience this is that. Whatever we're going through, if you have a clear sense of God, you're here with me in this, Mm -hmm. it's tolerable. Okay, we'll make it through. Mm -hmm. But if you have some absence of temporal uh, pain, things are all great. But just where's God? Mm -hmm. That's like hell. And I think that's that's a problem our culture has because it presents temporal absence of pain and prosperity as the thing. Mm -hmm. And people get the thing and they're like, um, our yeah. So yeah. <laughs> if God's we face shines on okay. us, wherever we are, we have that sense of it's OK. And, and the key thing for us, which is why it's, it's a temptation, the key thing for us is is to not lose sight of the shining face of God and prosperity and health give thanks always for all yes. things, to experience all of life in reference to the pre- the presence of God, who is eternal, <clears throat> so we don't get caught up in the merely
3: temporal, and, and therefore um, are defined then by all the emotions that only pertain to that.
0: Right. Are there other songs that repeat, like, I the restore us of God of hosts
1: there are a lot of songs that have repeating, yes. refra- like, refrain yeah okay. <clears throat> so it is a draw a hymn, something that they yeah, expected the people repeats, to repeat again and again, music. so music,
3: yeah yeah now he changes to the narrative. you brought a vine out of Egypt,
1: you cast up the nations and planted mm-hmm. it, you prepared room for it, and caused it to take deep root and filled the land now. The vine imagery is significant. Um, it, it, it appears in Isaiah five, uh, where, where, where Isaiah condemns uh, uh, Israel because he planted them and they're not bearing any fruit. And then Jesus picks up this vine imagery in the New Testament uh, in uh, Matthew twenty-one, where he, uh, a man planted a vineyard, and you know. And, Leased it out, and and none of the people who owned the vineyard would give them would give the owner the fruit, so he kept sending people, and then they then they finally said his son. They killed them. So what will the vineyard owner do? Well, he'll throw those guys out and get new owners. And all the leaders said no because they knew what he meant. That's when they decided to kill him. So the vine is they, they planted so like a it vine. Like God, God. So so God brought a vine that was the image of the vineyard and planted it, prepared room, it, it, it took root, it filled the land, uh, and the image goes on, the hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Probably the river in verse 11 is um, the Euphrates, it could be the Jordan, but sometimes the full extent of the promised land that, that God talks about is goes to the Euphrates, the garden. So, um, then the question is, so this happened, God planted it, brought it in, prepared room, uh, made, it, made it flourish. Verse 12, why have you broken down her hedge so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar
3: out of the wood uproots it, the wild beast of the field devours it. Now this idea of the hedge, um, when when Job, um, when Satan talks to God about Job, and God says, "Have you seen Job? He's a
1: pretty righteous dude." Huh? <laughs> and 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 Satan says, "Yeah, because you built a hedge around him, and you you, you never suffered anything bad." Mm-hmm. So you go, okay, well, okay. God takes the hedge down. Mm-hmm. So you've broken down her hedges. <laughs> yes, so really. the protection that's on Israel now has been taken down now. <clears throat> because with Israel, it's because of her sins that the irony with Job is it's not his sins. Mm-hmm. Just because God wanted to see how he <laughs> making it <him laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's so, um,
2: Yeah.
1: The Wild Boar of the Root that was, that was uh, introduced uh, by uh, the Roman Catholic Church in the Reformation. Some people writers talk about the Protestant Reformation. The Wild Boar roots it up.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. We use hedges to protect, you know, the vineyard. You know,
1: like. So now, now this this vine that God had planted and protected is now being overrun. Beasts are roaming in it, and 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 whoever wants the fruit can just grab it. Is
0: that Assyria
3: and Babylon? Yeah. Well, and also just local neighbors who intruded. You know. Uh, uh,
2: so. I mean, there
1: were there were you know, Syrians and and uh, but certainly certainly the the encroachments of, of of all nations on
3: Israel, having their way with her when God previously protected her, is is exactly what's in, in view there. So again, in verse fourteen, return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. Now, another image comes out here. Of course, Jesus has said, I am the vine and you are the branches.
1: And so when we begin to understand the planted vineyard and the way that Jesus fulfills the old covenant, it is Jesus himself in his person who, who is the foundation of Israel. The fulfilled Israel, and so now coming out of here, we bear fruit. If you if you abide in Him, we bear fruit. If you don't, you don't. And even in John uh, fifteen, where he expands on this, he says, if you're, you know, if you don't bear fruit, you you're cast out as a. a, um, So and it's it's the idea that here um, through our prayer, we're returning, we're growing in repentance, we're looking to abide more fully in Christ to remove. Obstacles to growth so
3: that the life of God might flourish in us more and we bear more and more fruit. Look
1: down, visit this vine, come, and the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the branch. Now, New King James has branch, but it really means sun. Um, And uh, what's interesting here, I I mentioned. Uh, Benjamin earlier on,
3: but, um, the, uh, look here and then down here in 17,
1: uh, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Uh, Ben means son of my right hand. And it was when, uh, Rachel was dying and, and wanted to call her son of sorrow. And Jacob said, no, be, Benjamin, son of my right hand. Mm-hmm. So it's a play off of that. And the, and the, the interesting thing about it simply is mm-hmm. that since the psalm itself mentioned Benjamin in verse 2, Benjamin, Ephraim, Benjamin,
3: and Manasseh, the recurrence of the son of my right hand seems to be mm-hmm. significant to that. Um. But it, it's interesting. But in verse fifteen, look in view of John fifteen, and
1: the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the sun you made so strong for yourself. <clears throat> if those are parallel phrases, the vineyard you planted is parallel with the sun you made so strong. Ties into
3: Jesus saying, "I am the vine." Mm-hmm. It is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke your countenance.
1: That's the current state of it. But verse 17, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, Benjamin, upon the son of man, then Adam, son of Adam, okay. the son of man, Jesus continually uses that for himself. You uh, made so made strong for yourself. And now we begin to see how Jesus saves us, he comes into this condition of 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 a destroyed Israel, and how to live about being faithful. And then by inviting us to participate in the life that he gives through repentance, faith and baptism, that partaking of that life and abiding in the vine, we can bear fruit too, and turn from a sense of God's dissatisfaction to God's pleasure, judgment, and prosperity. Part
2: of
3: the vine and the body of Christ. Yeah. Together. Right. That's right. Then we will not then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O oh Lord God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. So
1: Advent wise we think about, you know, the restore, it's return, restore, we've had it repeated several times in this song. So Advent calls us to repent. And that's, that's the idea of just examining how our lives are, are uh, how, how we can grow in our repentance and come back and experience in the coming of Christ to us in the Christmas feast, a new joy and light to his countenance and peace.
3: Anything else about that? Let's pray. The Lord bless us and keep
1: us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us, be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us, and give us peace this day and forevermore.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: Do we meet next week?
1: Uh, yeah, it's on schedule to meet, yeah. Okay. It Good. is. Um, I'll be uh, yes. Holy Innocence Day.
0: This? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, we're going to uh, all week.
1: <laughs> so. Um, Good to have y'all with us online, Mimi, Griselda, Joan,
3: Robert, Ruth, Elizabeth. This
2: is the past hour.